The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. They say marketing is a madman's game. So now we turn it over to the marketing madman with Trip Job and Darren Rand on Extra 1063 FM. Happy Saturday. Welcome to the Marketing Mad Men. Trip Job here and uh, frequent guest host Nick Constantino, who's the uh, Vice President of Sales and Business Development for uh, both 680 Fan and the Atlanta Braves Radio Network. Um, I am thrilled, Nick, to have you and especially Thanks, today's sir. topic. So, yeah. uh, I mean, you see it all the time. We're, yeah. you know, we're, we're middle of the year and boy, there's a lot that's happened this year. But I think uh, in the summer months, social media probably ticks up a little bit more. People are in vacation mode. People yeah. are more active um, and people start to think about, OK, what's, uh, you know, man, I, I, I do all this on my vacation. Maybe I need to think about my social media a little more the second half of the year when they come back to work. Yeah. And, uh, and there's been a lot in the news, too, about uh, everything that's going on with social media. I mean, look, we could start with um, the whole Twitter, sure. you know, and Elon Musk and uh, the issues of uh, fake accounts and things like that. Um, I mean, why, why don't we? Why don't we talk a little bit about some of the um, challenges out there, kind of go ahead and throw that on the table. Yeah, for sure. And uh, then we can come back and talk uh, for uh, listeners out there and say, hey, here's here are the things you really ought to consider. Here's what uh, you know you can kind of go through and develop your plans. But uh, let's let's go and put the watchouts on the table. Sure. So you know, any tech, any new industry is going to go through ups and downs. And at its core, we're still in a pretty infant phase of the, of social media. Yep. You know, I remember, and I was you know. Um, probably 18, 19 in the MySpace, Facebook era. Facebook started just for colleges and then it spread its way from there. And at its core, you know, this was, we were, you know, using instant messenger and we, it was a communication tool. It was a way to show your unique interests. And I, and I love all that stuff, right? Uh, it gave people a voice that probably didn't have one. It took some of the power out of corporations and businesses that were on the internet and said, you can have your own area to live. It helped the music industry. It did all these great things. But I think somewhere along the way, the ultimate question always becomes, how are we going to make money off of this? Right. And this is a capitalist country. And that's ultimately the case. And the people who have succeeded in the space in the terms of capitalism and money are the ones who have weaponized this in the sense where they have used data as a commodity and really infringed upon privacy and spread the worst parts of humanity. Well, you know, ultimately, you know, innately as people, unfortunately, we always gravitate towards the worst things. We run to the worst things, right? And and, and mostly it's the brain's response because, you know, running to a gorgeous cheeseburger is not going to have the same response as running from a gigantic polar bear running after you. So we just go to the negative. We Our brains go to the negative. It well, it, it's the looky-loos. It's, you know, the fireball crash, right? And I, I watch. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can't help but watch. Yeah. So we have we, – that is what makes social media. Now, the algorithms, all that stuff, there's so much debate on how much of an influence that has. Is it really manifesting the worst parts of humanity or is it these algorithms that are kind of re- reiterating and reverberating the bad things? You know, that, that's not what this debate is for. This debate no. is to – you know, this conversation is to know that ultimately when you go on social media, whichever form of social media it is, you are signing away your privacy, your data to a 
company which has no governing body to dictate what they do with that, right? Even LinkedIn. Yep. Let's not call Microsoft an angel here because the back end of LinkedIn, if you saw how targeted uh, a business owner, how targeted I can be with what I'm looking for and how I post, it justifies the high cost. So the bad part about it for a business is is that if you don't understand the data, you can break trust and privacy with your people very quickly. Yep. The good part is, is that you can also find niches and things that you never thought were even possible to find. So the bad part aside, the fake bots. I mean, you know, what if thirty percent of that is fake? Are are thirty percent? Well, when of you get into you know, you get into programmatic type um, advertising, that's basically the number you hear is you know thirty to forty percent, depending on the media, um, that is fake. Is it going to be proven though? Because if it's proven, yeah. are all the people that have ever advertised on Twitter allowed to get a refund of thirty percent of their money because Twitter knew they were fake? Because that's not yeah. the question. I'm not quite criticizing yeah. going in and making pages that are inactive or making a, a page that you forgot about. That's a different story right. than fake. Fake is deliberate. Who are the bad right. actors? Who did those things? Because ultimately, Twitter is the one who benefited. So why would right. Joe Schmo create a fake page? Twitter sh didn't shut down. They're going to say that person. But if Twitter becomes complicit, do people ask for thirty percent of their money back? Right? Then if you look at it the other problem is is with any new industry there are the bad they're the um the, the people who come in and just want to make money off of it so they're manipulating this for their own benefit the big problem you have now as far as the industry itself is there is not a lot of money to be made by these companies who are doing social media advertising right as to, like a yeah. radio station at its core we create own distribute advertise our own content we own every bit of it every intellectual property all those things are owned by us ultimately when you advertise on facebook you are paying a cut of money to Facebook inevitably, no matter what, that they can go put up and down as they see fit. And they yeah. can adjust algorithms to pretend as if there's a reason for doing it, but ultimately those algorithms just go back to ultimately making them more money. Which is why if you look at someone like Pinterest or Snap, they're nowhere near the growth of Facebook because they have not been able to as easily and readily monetize it. And, and if you go into monetization, it is not the advertising ultimately where they make their money. They do want you to believe that. But their money, their data, their qualitative, quantitative data is being sold to municipalities, yes. bad actors, governments, companies, everything. That is what they are. They are a data company and they trade your data as a commodity. And just recently, and, if you and look- the more, the more active you are, the more refined your data, obviously the greater value to them. And, and yeah, and I would say the less- the less aware you are of it, the more you will give away. Like, put it this way. If you have Facebook open with four other browser windows, everything else you're doing yeah. is being compiled into Facebook to say, this is who this person is. So if you're the kind of person who's relatively a ghost, I mean, I close my browser, my cookies are erased immediately, I'm on a VPN all the time. Yeah. Uh, not because uh, not because I'm worried about someone tracking me, more because like it costs no money and takes no time yeah. for me to do that, so why would I want to be tracked and give this stuff away? Right? If anything, they should be paying me for access yeah. <laughs> to my data. So so ultimately that's it. But look, if you look now, even Disney, I mean, Disney, this article just came out in Vice. Uh, Disney is in the data game. All this data they have coming in because of Disney Plus, they're doing the same thing. They're selling that oh. money to people on the, the, the data to people on the back end. So, well, that's a lot of, I mean, let, let's face it, all the different, um, uh, you know, kind of media channels, whether it's Disney Plus, it's Paramount, it's all, and that's why they're it's doing about it. data. And they have content, it. but it's really about the data. And, and that's the what they're doing. Now, now, the good thing is, is I see, 
I think the power is leaning a little bit more back to the content creators, yeah. where it was the content aggregators. Like Disney's like, no, screw you guys. We're yeah. taking everything back in house. And don't think for a second that that Netflix dip in subscribers for the first time wasn't because <laughs> they lost all the Marvel stuff. They lost so so Disney is not foolish. Paramount yeah. now Comcast is going to steal the Disney model and just duplicate what they do. Right. So. So as we talk about social media and just the, the prevalence of data, it's just important to know that ultimately it's not questioning whether it's good or bad, but understand what you're getting involved in. And you're getting involved in a pretty much unregulated, illicit trade of very personal data. And if you are okay with that, then we're going to go and talk about how to use it for your benefit because it really can be used for your benefit, especially with your business. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and can be used for your benefit as a consumer too. I mean, that's, you know, understand that. Obviously, a lot of people go out there and use it and, um, you know, whether it's for their own enjoyment, whether sure. it's for their own uh, ways to uh, find information faster than we used to be able to find it, maybe get better discounts, whatever the, the thing is, there's ways to use it. But yeah. You know, don't uh, don't just assume that it's um, this uh, harmless, harmless. Yeah. You know, f you know, it's like going down to the uh, carnival. Right. <laughs> you know, there's there's bad actors is uh, Nick usually usually under the under the uh, under the carnival. Is yeah, one of the, um, <laughs> exactly. The we, 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 we could we could dip back yeah, to the uh, Nathan's uh, hot dog contest was back at Coney Island. We could really get into some stories there, I think. But um, no. So if you're thinking about it from a business perspective, then I think one of the things let's talk about, we'll start here and we'll, of course, get Get into the next section is, you know, because there's so many avenues, because there are potholes, it's really understanding where to play. And I think unless you're a Fortune 100 company or maybe even 500 and playing to consumers, you don't need to be playing on all these different avenues. Yeah. All right. You really need to look at the ones that make the most sense uh, to your customer base. All right. And so, you know, this one article here that uh, was just coming up about, hey, how do you reach your audience? Um, this is very, very high level. Uh, I think we've got a little more uh, detail on some other things in a minute. But, you know, it talks about Gen X is Facebook. All right. Yeah. No surprise. Yeah. Um, which which was age. a migration, though. That's not how it started by any stretch right. of the imagination. I mean, you know, the, the joke that the cool kids come off once the parents go on is, is, is very, very true. I mean, my, my mother-in-law spends all of her time on Facebook. She's 75 years old, yeah. 76 years old, went down a rabbit hole of conservative politics, and now is one of those people on Facebook. I yeah. don't know who the friends are. I don't know who her associations are, but she feels obliged to comment on everything on Facebook. So that has changed. That is not what it, it was the intention or started to be, but ultimately- right it kind of went to who has the money. And ultimately, she's got a retired on pensions and got plenty of money to do what she wants with. Who would Facebook want on? A 19-year-old right. or a 76-year-old who's retired has nothing but time to spend money on the things in which Facebook peddles? Right. Well, and, and think about it. I mean, I remember the stories, uh, you know, 20-plus years ago was about my friends and their, you know, their grandmas and all that were getting taken on uh, QVC. And it used to be that, I mean, honestly, to your point, commerce, a lot of times Facebook has taken, I don't know, it's actually taken over for QVC, but is a new outlet for the QVC and, type and, model. And remember, that QVC model was very simple. That was sales-based. That was, it's, a, you, it's a deal's going to expire. You're always, a deal's going to expire. Yeah. You only have this deal for a limited amount of time. There's only five left. There were 64,000 sitting <laughs> in the back. But they're like, five <laughs> left. And it had the deal had to expire, even though once that deal was done, three hours later, they're going to put it at, at 10 cents less. So that model is very similar. I mean, at its core, ultimately, again, you're always selling something. And Facebook is selling eyeballs. They're in the commodity of trading attention and eyeballs. Right. So, um, so that one's pretty straightforward then uh you know it talks about uh gen z you know is tiktok and instagram 
Um, I would also probably throw in there maybe a little bit uh, Snapchat and some things like yep. that. I mean, a little different platform. But, I yeah. mean, if you're thinking about advertising, uh, that's going to be more Instagram and TikTok. And you're yep. definitely catching uh, that's, the That's Gen the ADD Z. generation, man. I mean, there's no other way to say it. And I fall into that, unfortunately. I, my ADD from playing video games and listening to techno music my whole life. But, honestly, that's that quick blip. There's no long reading. No one wants to read posts. Everyone wants images and these quick videos. So yeah, and then something I can click on and, and, and I can on, go and to move it. On to the next thing. And honestly, like, it's borderline depressing for society that we've come to that point where you can't just read about somebody and it's got to be portrayed in an image or video. But ultimately, that's where we are right now. And and if you don't grab somebody's attention in those first one, two, two and a half seconds, yeah. you don't have yeah. that person. Before you swipe right. Well, you know, um, obviously we've got a few more we're going to hit in, uh, when we come back from the break. Um, but at least that gives a, a, a perspective. We'll come back. We'll talk about uh, some more of the uh, social media platforms. And, and, again, who are the primary audiences? And we'll give you some data and some ways you can use it for your business. So you're listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3. Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the Marketing Mad Men. Uh, Trip Job here with uh, Nick Constantino from uh, 680 The Fan and Atlanta Braves Radio Network. And we're talking about social media. You know, I think we've kind of, we've, we've hit the watch and concerns and just yep. be aware. Yep. Now it's um, happy time. Yeah. So, you know, we the talked positives. briefly that, uh, look, Facebook is kind of, you know, primarily uh, Gen X, you know, if that's your target. Gen Z is the TikTok and Instagram are kind of the the favorite places if you're looking to sell and and get that audience. And then, um, you know, it talks about YouTube and Twitter uh, going across uh, all age groups. So I will say Twitter, and we'll get to this in a minute. Uh, I think you have to be a little careful with Twitter if you're you're trying to sell. Now, brand is a little bit different, but if you're you know really trying to be a consumer focus, I would say Twitter probably is not uh, the the purchase decision place you want to be. Yeah. You know, the one thing I'll say about Twitter is that Twitter is the place of influence for people with real influence. And what I mean is, is that like these influencers on TikTok, these are not these are not influencers. These are people with fleeting moments. One out of a billion will actually survive and to be someone. But when you talk about people of influence, LeBron James and Kevin Durant and politicians and journalists, they Twitter is their weapon of choice. Well, that was the second article we had is that and we use that in our own business is that Twitter has become uh, most used by. By journalist and even more so than the general public yeah and I think that that's important to understand the term influencer is used loosely and changes often but the influencers that you know of these days are not real influencers they are people that are told to sell individual products goods or services influencers are people who have generational reach and frequency with with people so you know even our radio yeah. station our on-air guys have influence because people have been listening for 25 years who are you going to find influence from someone you've listened to for 25 years or somebody who pops up in your tiktok feed one time and you think the product is cool who is going to give you real influence so it's important to understand that while the influence and the sellability of tiktok and all these other mediums the real influence of how you can change perception yeah. probably lends itself to Twitter the best, I would say. Right. And so what it says here in the stats is that 69% of journalists in the U.S. are on Twitter. Right. And when you look at the uh, mass U.S. adults, not not kids in this case, but adults, only 13% are on Twitter and get their news there. So uh, it really goes to your point. And that's, you know, so how we look at it with a couple of our clients is we actually uh, post the Twitter uh, subjects as our PR effort, 
yes. right? We we want to make, you know, we don't care is, is the general uh, users out there. They're all, we're posting that to LinkedIn and right. Facebook and other social, um, but we target those Twitter feeds around journalists and things that hopefully they may Pick be up. interested in picking up. Yeah. And it's a great way to use it for your business, uh, but if we were trying to just put general information out there, it's misused in Twitter for our B2B accounts. Yeah, well, I think if you use Twitter the right way, then all you're doing is sharing a headline with the intention of somebody trying to find out more. Because the the thing about Twitter is, is that it is purposely short so you don't have the context. So you're just sitting there throwing headlines out and then not And then with a link and then go take and, it and then, to the and link. And hopefully someone clicks on the link, which again is going to go back to KPIs and is engagement what you're looking for. Because right. views mean absolutely nothing. Your impressions mean nothing. Now, does it mean that you figured out a way to trick the system and that the, the yeah. algorithms are picking your content up? Sure. But like, you know, no offense, but we're still in the day and the age where you put a hot girl in a little outfit <laughs> and it's going to get more views than anything else. Ultimately, is that what you're trying to do? Or a hot guy enough, but I'm just yeah. saying that attractive oh, people and and things that stand out are always work. Or a cute animal. Yeah, we I still think we're away. From, I think yeah, we're a little yeah, bit away yeah. from a cute animal. I think crazy cat phase <laughs> is winding down. Uh, but yes, the point is, is that what what is your intention? But but I I I am a fan of Twitter. I think Twitter is a mechanism to drive your business to other points where you make money. It uses right. a promotional tool. And, and that's that's the key is back to our original concept is, look, you, you don't need to be in all these places. Understand your audience, where you need to go, and how to use them. Yeah. So again, Twitter to me is, you know, and again, everyone knows I'm not a huge PR fan, but to me, Twitter is the probably the most efficient and effective way to handle your PR and yeah. work toward journalists. Yeah. And again, it depends what kind of business you are. We're a sports business. Sports is done on Twitter. So you have to be on Twitter. If you are in a position in your in your business where you are breaking some kind of news, you'd be foolish to be anywhere else because right. that breaking news of Twitter does make real global headlines if it's something of prominence or importance. You know, one of the things that we have the, the, the privilege of is having uh, our beat reporter, Kevin McAlpin, mm-hmm. on the planes with the Braves guys. Yeah. So if we break news, I mean, I've seen how quickly it can go viral. Yeah. So, so if you are in a position of thought leadership or breaking news, that Twitter post is as valuable as anything else out there because it's pure. Because right. people that people are reacting to your breaking news. Right. This is not some trick that's gaming the system for you to. If you put a Twitter post out and it gets views, it is something of relevance to the people in which you're trying to serve. So don't under don't underuse hey. it, but realize that that those limitations are fleeting and that doesn't happen every day. Well, and a great example. I mean, obviously we're just coming off the July Fourth holiday, but you think about holidays, you think about certain sporting events. Okay, if you are a consumer brand and if you're something that could be you know in the public spotlight around a holiday all right fourth of july pool parties whatever it could be you know it could be beverages uh things of that nature you need to have that plan to be out there to be ready to break that news on twitter all right because guess what that's where people are going to see it that's where you want it you've got to take um uh take that instantaneous opportunity and hit it yeah, I don't, and I just don't think Twitter is as intrusive. I mean, you get you get alerts from everybody, but like you, if you go on now, unless you go down the rabbit hole and you start seeing everyone's comments and posts yeah. back and everything, I just don't find it as intrusive. And I think that most that now that's why Twitter makes no money. Right. You know, the fact that Elon's <laughs> paying all this money for it is crazy because they still haven't figured out a way to make money off of it. Right, right. That's the problem. So at its core, if it's broken and won't make money off of it probably means that it's if people are still using it that, that it has some value that just it, it wouldn't be around in the lexicon yeah. if it wasn't a value because it can't find money a way to monetize it really right 
Well, and, and, and so let's I'll hit a couple of those, too, and then we'll come back with some ideas. Um, I don't know if you are familiar with Joseph Jaffe, who's written a number of books, Flip the Funnel, uh, Built to Suck. Um, I mean, really uh, interesting guys, you know, out there on LinkedIn, Facebook Live, et cetera, um, and really forward thinking, you know, going back 10, 15 years about the use of social and other media platforms. And one of the things that uh, I just saw about a week ago, uh, he was looking for, you know, thoughts around LinkedIn audio. And he said, because he goes, I'm done with um, Clubhouse. Yeah. And I'm done with uh, the Facebook version. And he just said, you know, it didn't work. He was one of the early ones that adopted. And, you know, he just said, I- I'm done. It didn't turn out to be what everyone wanted it or thought it would be. And, uh, you know, he was just, you know, I, he goes, I like because he does podcasts yeah. and things like that. He wants to be in that type of environment, yeah. but it just hasn't panned yeah, out. Yeah, I could tell you why Clubhouse didn't work. Yeah. Okay. So we are in a day and age now where everyone feels they're entitled to an opinion and a voice yep. and that everyone should listen to them. So Clubhouse was the ultimate. You got on a stage and you thought people were listening to you. Yeah. And the reason it didn't work is because nobody gives a poop about what you're saying on your stage. And if they do, they're listening for 10 minutes. They're going to forget you and go listen to somebody else. Yeah. Or they're going to listen to somebody who comes in after the fact with hundreds of millions of followers. Yes. And even then you're committing lots of time. Audio podcasts, you're still yeah. committing lots of time. So you can't be an engaged audience on Clubhouse while you're driving. That's why people listen to podcasts. So it, 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 I don't want to say that was destined to fail. I am just saying that it fit very well with the pandemic and people having extra time and people want, wanting to be on that stage but not understanding how much work it takes to be able to be a thought leader and to be a content starter. It takes a lot more time and effort. And I think that's a key um, point. There were some businesses that jumped on early on and put a lot of resources to building out a Clubhouse uh, presence. And going back to the original point, understand where your audience is and where where they're going there and why they're going there. And I mean, we, look, I saw businesses go out and put those resources, you know, dedicated resources to Clubhouse. And you're like, why? What did you get for that over the last 18 yeah, months? Yeah. And isn't it funny that ultimately what you're trying to do with Clubhouse is take an audio message and have it heard by thousands of people? Funny. Uh, radio does exactly yeah. that. And that's what we're doing right now is having a Clubhouse chat with people listening on a Saturday morning to, yeah. by thousands of people. So ultimately, right. and, and, and I think one of the real funny things is that a lot of what is going on right now is reverting back to the things we've already known. Like, I'll give you an example, right? Netflix for the first time subscriber base is down also has all these competitors who are launching TV shows every week now. So it's not about that binge. It's about weekly they're doing things, right? You look at all these different functions, podcasts. Podcast lists are now curated with similar content. Well, that's a radio station. Station. So you see all these things and I think social media is following something similar. Like YouTube at its core is great because it is just so much content. It followed the advent of video cameras on your phone. YouTube is a search engine. It's, it's a video it's search engine. Yeah. It's I mean, an aggregator it's... with very smart AI that does yeah. a really good job, like the internet, and making sure it gauges your likes and curating a list of content for you. Right. That is what YouTube is. Is it social? Yes. But the comments, you know, the coolest thing about YouTube is like, you know, I, I sit in my office and I like listening to classical music. And the rabbit hole you can go down of classical music because it's all in public domain now because there's no yeah. patents anymore on it. So they can just you could have guys curating these lists of classical music and the comments section is like, oh, and, and you're talking about music from the 1600s. Like, think yeah. about that. There's more data available. I think it's like every 10 minutes and there were in the previous 100,000 years that the data just beca- turns over that quickly. So well, I, I do and, like YouTube and, and, also. Yeah, and I, I think we need to be clear. We're, we're very much a fan of YouTube. If you're a business, whether it's a product or even a service, 
I mean, you should have videos about your product, how to use your product, best ways, um, you know, to use it, or if it's a service, how often you could, uh, you know, need to have someone come out, things to look for. You need to have a YouTube channel. You need to have those videos that are out there that to maybe link back to your website and yep. to uh, your other social media. But absolutely need to be involved in YouTube. Yeah. Now, whether you advertise, that, that's a different discussion, but you need to have the content out there on YouTube. Yeah. And look, one of the experiences we had, and one of the good things is, is I'm, I'm, I can speak on all these on behalf of somebody who uses them to grow business, but also somebody who uses them as part of the public facing yeah. corporation in the radio station. Like YouTube is great, but there's nobody to be made on YouTube. Even yeah. if you have 10, 20, 30,000, 50,000, 100,000 views, you don't make money on YouTube until you're crossing the two, three, four million views. And honestly, like, I don't want to say it's broken, but I'm saying the things that have the millions of views have no interest to me whatsoever. And I, I find it fascinating that we we have really cool. I mean, we, we once did a we played game show with Shaquille O'Neal, yeah. who came on as in a character as El Padrino Negro and yeah. like was just this was just this character. And we did game show and like it was the most intimate. He was chilled. He was drinking and it got like 600 views on YouTube. Yeah. And like I know that if I, I went in front of all these people and said, would you want to watch this? They would say yes. Right. But for whatever reason. And now we know the reason we didn't have the back end set yeah. up the right way. SEO channels were broken, all that stuff. But ultimately, how a cat dancing around in a circle gets more views than an intimate moment with uh. Shaquille O'Neal shows you how much there is to still learn and how much infancy phases is all in. Right. And so Nick mentioned a couple of things. One, you have to have that loop together, whether it's your SEO, it's your web, um, it's that. And again, my, my view is you need to have the YouTube channel as having the content. You need to make sure your content is connected from your web to YouTube. Again, I'm not trying to make money off of it. Yep. I'm just saying that that's the place you need to be. Make sure that you're able to get your message out. Yep. And YouTube is the place to be. Okay. I wouldn't advertise. I wouldn't do yep. some of the other things. Yep. But, you know, guys, I see so many clients that they go, well, I'm not sure I want to put this out there because it's not really professional or polished. You know, I need to get a, a professional, um, you know, cinematographer, et cetera, out there. And I'm like, no, you don't. I said, we can get an editor. We can clean a few things up. We can put some captions in there. That's all you need to be able to get out yeah. there on YouTube. Yeah, and I think now that we're in the point of kind of explaining best practices, one of the things I've learned is you don't need to have a singular focus in your content, right? I'm sitting here right now. We're doing a radio show. I just hit record on my phone because I'm going to put this out as a video, and I will repurpose this point. This audio will become a podcast. This will be it. Yeah. It doesn't have to be purposeful to do everything away. Record content. Be smart enough with your content to know which to apply where. LinkedIn videos are great, but you don't want to be making 18-minute LinkedIn videos. No. You want to be making three-minute LinkedIn videos, best part, drive people back to a podcast, show them to, to YouTube afterwards, but you don't have to purposely design things for all these different things. And it doesn't have to be professional. What? Does this look cool because I'm in front of a microphone? Yes, yeah. but ultimately, it's not about overproduce because you know who overproduces big corporations that have thought into this sometimes awful women just explaining what's going on and in practical terms we don't need technical manuals for your goods we need practical speak that we understand that would make us want to purchase something exactly you know in, in ways so a couple of my clients would do these uh, webinars you know the zoom webinars in 45 minutes and they're like well okay we probably need to you know get this professional and i go no you don't i said i got a video editor for hundreds of dollars not even That's a thousand Right. And we're going to go take this. And there's, you know, we went through the 45 minute video and we go, you got seven great points. None of them are going to be more than two, maybe 215. All right. And we're going to Cut make seven quick 
Cut you down. know, cut it up videos. Well, you, no one's going to watch the whole 45 minutes nope. after the original view. Nope. But we're going to make seven hours. And, and ultimately, what would you rather have? A, a thousand people watching for 30 seconds or your six customers watching in its entirety? So, again, it's that same thing. It's We've been trained and conditioned, unfortunately, to think it's about the numbers and you need all this stuff. But really, you know, this is this comes down to those KPIs. I'll take engagement over reach any day of any week of any month right. because engagement tells a real story. It's great right. to be viewed. Everyone has an ego and it's great to and be viewed. And it does the awareness. So let's go back to we take the seven different clips, you know, a minute and a half, two minute clips. Well, guess what? I can choose to, depending on what else I have going, I can choose to do one a week out on social. 100%. Right? So I have the webinar, then I got 100%. seven weeks. So I got two months out of that webinar where I'm continuing to feed. And guess what? Not everyone's going to see the first one. Not everyone's going to see the second one. They see the third one. Oh, well, this is coming out next week. I'll watch the fourth one. They watch the fourth one, then they go, I missed the first two. They go back. They go back. I mean, that, and that's a content strategy. And, but that's part of a content strategy. And ultimately, you're laying out. And what about the future? Hey, if you want to see videos like this in the future, submit some questions, submit right. some things. And you know what? Have your buddies submit it. So you can go right. and put what you want out there. But ultimately, what you're trying to do is roll out a content-based strategy for all of your social media channels that matches your website, that matches your marketing message. And it sounds so simple, but like it's really not simple because you're talking top line. If any of the chain is broken, the whole chain is broken. Broken, which means every single individual asset has that much more accountability to the top and to the bottom line. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. And in the last section, we're going to talk a little bit about how you do the marketing strategy, how you pull all this together. Yeah. And that's some companies can do it themselves. Some like the ones we work with at Rand, you know, come to us because we can put that strategy and put that playbook together. Yeah. And and look, ultimately, and like you're, said, set, you're an external set of eyeballs because that's really important. There's ego involved in all of this and you yeah. need an external set of eyeballs to just guide you because ultimately what you think about your yeah. business and your in part, part of the business is not always what other people see in the business. So externally, oh, you need someone no matter what. I hate I, to say it. But I had that discussion yesterday with a client and you know sometimes they think in their terminology and they forget that the customers don't think in that same terminology. And go back to the uh, you know closing the circle, I said one of the keys we have to look at is What's the real terminology people are using on search engines? And you, you have may, access to you that may, these days. Right. You may use terminology because that's what's technical in your business. But do most of us know that? And the problem is if you're basing your SEO and your videos and yep. everything else on that technical industry you're terminology and 88% of the people out there are using a different terminology, guess what? They're not going to find you. And what I find crazy is you have easier access to that than ever before. I mean, those are keywords. Yeah. You know by keywords. You know by the keywords people are landing on your website on what they're exactly searching for. So using terminology yeah. based on what people are searching for, it makes sense. Now, there is now the, the, it's the ones that aren't using the words they have. That's that's the key in finding those words that you're not already of, putting out yes. there. Yes. I would also say, though, there is some method to marketing to change the terminology people use because that's where real thought leadership c comes in. Right. And if they're searching a certain thing, but you think you're you're something else, if you can get people to use your terminology and your nomenclature, then you've succeeded. And I think social media is going to be them to do that. And back, yes, back to social media where we're talking about. Okay, so let's go back to TikTok. Let's go back to Instagram. Let's go back to YouTube. There's the opportunity for you know the quick videos that say, okay, instead of X, now think of it as Y. Yeah, and that's right. and branding, right? right? Like, think about how many different four-wheel drive systems there are on cars. Yeah. Everyone's got a super handling all-wheel drive, quattro this. Yeah. And really, at its core, the tech is two little tweaks, but you don't call it 
four-wheel drive. And then you can go further to like a Kleenex. It's not a tissue. It's uh, a Kleenex, Kleenex. or so a Q-tip, which is a brand. What? Changing perception. And, and social media can do that, I believe. Well, one of the first things when I got to Old Castle, we had uh, a line called Elements. And everything on the website, all the SEO said Elements. Elements. That was the name of the company they bought. And, you know, they had pictures of a wood box and things like that. But no one knew what Elements was. Yeah. I did a test. Well, Elements was outdoor kitchens and outdoor fireplaces. Okay. So first, we look, we had to change it. Elements came secondary. All right. Use the terminology people have. But, right. you know, the way now you could do it, if you still wanted to keep a brand, and I'm a huge brand believer, is, you know, all of a sudden you do those quick videos. You know, you got a shot of someone in front of a fireplace or an outdoor kitchen, you know, looking for your outdoor kitchens. Elements is the answer. Yeah. That's the national brand. There are ways to yeah. start building that up, but don't live in your terminology, your right. industry vernacular. Um, right. when, uh, when most of the population doesn't understand that. Yeah, I, I saw a great chart. It always sticks with me, and it's talking about data, and, and ultimately there's Legos, and then there's Legos just thrown on the floor. Then there's Legos sorted by color, and then yeah. there's Legos built into a castle, right? And it says right. this is how data works, right? There are people who can just see data. Yep. There are people who can organize data, but then there are people who can tell a story with data. And it's the same thing with social media. Like You have to be able to take these complex terms and things and, and break it down to a point that people understand. And if you can do that, then that's where you will succeed. And again, yeah. it's not easy, but but having a plan of how to do that is really important. Yeah. No, and, and, and my good friends uh, at Aquascape, you know, they do a lot of uh, lake management, right, and uh, erosion control. And yeah. there's, look, there are technical terms for, you know, water and, um, uh, you know, seepage and things like that. And I'm like, okay, these are great when you're in a lunch and learn. But when we're out doing your newsletters, we're out doing your social, we've got to use generic terms that a homeowner is going to think about, oh, my God, my, you know, who yeah. cares if it's retention pond or detention yeah. pond? People don't know the difference. You know, there's a leak. There's a, a yeah. runoff in my pond. And that's that's a good example of top funnel versus bottom of the funnel. Yeah. Because if you're talking in technical terms, you're going after people in the bottom of the funnel who've already yes. done the research and know it, which means you're in a very competitive place because there's a 100 other people doing what yeah. you do. When you're talking in broad terms, you're talking top of the funnel, which means you're creating demand versus responding to mm -hmm. demand. So those are very, very, very different things. We could probably go into a whole conversation just on how a funnel works and how to get part of that. But, but I agree with that completely um, and you have to know that's part of knowing who you are what are you trying to reach are you trying to change vernacular and become a part of the brand message when people seek for or are you trying to respond to something they're already looking for right all right so one more thing on this article um, this is kind of get back uh, we, we steered away but let's get back to the purchase discussion so um, here it says more than 40 percent of americans are using social media um, during the purchase process you know interacting with brands um, and then a lot of them 68 uh, percent like to use it to ask questions all right um, and then 64% would like to use or use social media to make purchases. That's a little higher than I would have expected. I've never done any of those things. I yeah. think it's insane to even yeah. think that you're going to let a, a brand's perception on social media influence your decisions, but go on. Yeah, and then 59% say the same about post-purchase communications. That I get. And that, you, you know, nowadays, again, going back to once your data is there, you get the follow-up. You, would you review us, you know, and things like oh, that. Yes. So okay. that one I completely okay. agree. Okay. Um, but, again, and so, you know, Facebook's the top platform for providing purchase inspiration. I, th I think the key to me is, you know, I think it's more um, the research, the interactions, you know, the influencers you talked about. I think that's absolutely key. I, you know, when you ask people about are they actually buying from social media, I think that's a— uh, But again, industry— 
industry. If you're yeah. talking to something very visual, like if you're an exterior renovation company, those you're selling based on your images. If you're a right. clothing company, you're selling based on a, a, an influencer in the outfit. It's a very it, visual it, thing. And discounting. Buy that I mean, way. And discounting. I mean, you'll see we see discounting out there now. You know, from Pinterest and other places that take people out it's there there and etc. It's all a trick. I know. We'll, we'll, we'll get into back. that. Hey, after the break, we're going to get into that a little bit and uh, give you some ideas of how you can uh, use the marketing strategy to uh, to build and use social uh, to help build your business. So you're listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3. Nick and I will be right back in just a couple minutes. Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the Marketing Mad Men. Trip Job and Nick Constantino with uh, 680 The Fan and the Atlanta Braves Radio Network. Uh, thrilled to have Nick join us. We've been uh, engaged in a lot of discussions about your social media and how it really needs to tie into everything you're doing in marketing. Um, the last article we had, and, and maybe we'll use this as an example, but uh, you know, the, the title of the article was How to Adjust Your B2B Marketing Strategy in an Economic Downturn. And what it really pointed out was, you know, a lot of businesses, and I saw a lot of it early in this year, uh, were hiring, trying to hire full-time equivalents out there for their marketing teams, looking at digital media, you name it. Um, and now it's saying, hey, you know, there are a lot of freelancers, there's agencies out there, you know, if, if you're starting to wonder a little bit, you do need help. All the things we talked about, most most business owners uh, probably don't know how to do themselves. Um, but and they're need- so they're changing so quickly. So that's really important. Even if you think you know, yeah. if you if you don't pay attention for three months, it's changed. And that oh. that's that they do that for a reason to keep you off guard, so they can keep making more money. Yeah. Go on, go so it, no. So the idea of hey, is it a freelancer? Maybe a specalist? Is it an agency that brings people together? Much like ourselves at I, Rand. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think I'm not one the of biggest the biggest fan of the A word. Yeah. No. 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 And we we think of ourselves as a growth partner, not as an agency, because well, here's our difference. Agencies also tend to place media, and then so they're looking to get that commission um, from placing the your media. Consultants. They're, your consultants. Right. And, and your consultants. Your CMOs. Your, your temporary CMOs. We're fractional CMOs. Very different than, a, yeah. than an agency. And, and we're, um, we're much more like uh, your wealth advisor in that um, you know, we're not out there just trying to get commissions. Yeah. So you know, anyhow, so why don't we talk a little bit about some of the, the challenges that businesses have in social media, and, and we can talk about ways that we think about it and others that are consultants out there think about it. And uh, give you ideas, hopefully, to uh, you know, in your own um, challenges you might be facing right now. Yeah. So you know what? How about we do this? I'll 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 give some kind of questions and thoughts, and you can kind of point me in the yeah. right direction because I think ultimately some some kind of role play would probably help here. All right. So uh, you know, one great example is our brand is very well known. Right, mm-hmm. unbelievably well known. Let's even talk about Six A the fan. We've been here thirty years. Everyone knows us, but the conversation isn't always. I can name every one of you on air talents. I know what radio station you're on. They just know of us. Okay, right. so we're a brand that's well known, but do, we don't have as much engagement as I believe we should. So. What would an engagement campaign look like? What would be metrics that we would look for to show if we are increasing engagement? Well, I think, you know, a couple of things that 680 does is, you know, you're you're trying to create your subscriber base, right? So that's number one. Yep. All right. So what's the reach of that subscriber base versus your, um, you know, your true radio uh, Nielsen numbers and things like that, that, you know, we all know are, are challenging. So how do you go out and, you know, use, um, you can, might use email, social media, and other ways to create 
that podcast downloads, things that are creating, maybe it's from one of the, your personalities, say your top personalities yep. out there. Maybe it's Buck, yep. right? Or maybe it's Chuck in the uh, Southern um, Football Podcast. Yep. How do you start creating that and use your strengths to build the subscription base to your other personalities and grow that reach? Yeah, and that makes a ton of sense. And, and, and you're right, because ultimately you're still going after a core person. A sports fan is a sports fan. Yeah. It, it's, it's, a, it's, it's niche, but it's very broad, right? right? That's one of the things we love about sports. A CEO and a valet park, they have something to talk about, right? There's not many other mediums that that exist. So I agree with right. you. But how about, so again, it's not that they're, let's put it this way. We don't have a ear problem. We have a time spent engaged with us problem. We have a, they might listen to us, but they won't buy t-shirts with our brand on it. That, what, some advice and how social media can use to help that grow that. Yeah. So you're, you're now looking to create a brand awareness in a different manner because you're not trying to do it for the, um, the revenue of selling. You're trying to make sure your, your face is out there everywhere. Right. Um, and, and call this millennials. I mean, younger generation, they, they, you, you age into sports talk. Like right. anyone who's listening right now, I'm shocked if you're under 35 years old, but if you are and you're not, and you have friends that are not, they yeah. will. Yeah. You age yourself into talk radio. It just happens. So I think here's a great way that social media, and, and I know some of the things that you do with, you've got interns, you do a ton of experiential marketing. All right. So take your experiential marketing, whether it's you know, outside the ballpark, inside the ballpark here at Brave Stadium, whether it's your uh, kickoff, you yep. know, tailgates and things like that, where you've got um, the young, the millennials that are out there wearing the 680, the fan yep. gear, along with your personalities, along with maybe celebrities, yep. right, that might be in their Georgia gear or yep. their Falcons gear or their Hawks gear. But you're you're creating it, right? And so then you're you're broadcasting that through the various social media platforms, tying it back, of course, to your website um, and to the personalities, and talk about, you know, here's hey, come join us at um, you know the next Braves tailgating event. Yep. Um, and you know the first fifty people get you know will get a six eighty fan hat, t shirt, whatever. Yep. But you're showing people doing it. Back to what we were talking about before of using YouTube, using Instagram, or whatever, and you're creating that. That interest and yeah. drawing, drawing people in that way. And then you start bringing them to these events, which, um, as I know you know, those are ways to create not only um, new listeners, but deepen the relationship of listeners. Yeah. And that's why you bring, you know, you might bring in, uh, granted, you have Buck, but you might bring in um, what well, used to be Matt Ryan. Now, I guess maybe it'll be Marcus Mariota. Uh, I can't make that announcement yeah, yet. Yeah, I, but, have, I, am, I am not allowed to officially make that announcement, no, but, but that decision has been made. Yeah. So, um, but you, you, part of the reason you want to bring them in is to drive yeah. that engagement. And yeah, so people start, they start to getting, relate the yeah. influence. And that's, yeah. that's how you create that. Yeah. Uh, look, the, the easiest way, we used to think that doing all this stuff would impede on the radio growth. Yeah. Ultimately, what you have to, the mentality has to change is you have an ecosystem, okay? Yep. It doesn't matter what business you are in, there are several different parts of your business. Is it the, the, the low-hanging buyers who are going to buy? Is it the top buyer, top of the funnel, that people don't want to know about you? All your job yeah. is is to get them in their ecosystem and give them a reason to say and complete your to stay and complete the ultimate action in which you want them to do. So engagement means you're right. Just because you're listening, how do we get you to come to an event? How do we get you to listen to a podcast? How do we get you to yeah. engage now? And engage is key because you know some of the things people look at. They go, "Oh, I got so many followers." Honestly, I could care less about followers. You know, I mean, look, there's a difference if you got 68 followers, 400 followers, or 17,000 followers. Uh, but the key is the type of things we're talking about. You want someone to put it out there and then start sharing. 
Yeah, that's or, 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 where, or, or engaging because right, you know yes. the, I I like the sharing thing, but it right. tends to be if you look at something like LinkedIn, yeah. the things that are shared are of no value to business. It's people repeating right. trends, and it's like, well, you know, you, you know, I'm not going to go into a Roe v. Wade thing, but every right. company that started saying they were going to pay, that's what was shared, and it's like that right. is not information that helps me at all. No, I get what no, you're no. trying to do, so I'm reluctant to say shared because shared right. is people. Th- probably people that are not thought leaders trying to just, but I am more interested in the comments and the engagements right. and the clicks on the content in which I am putting out because right. those numbers do not lie. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I guess where I'm talking about share, I'm thinking more of around the, uh, the TikTok, the Instagram, some of the visual type things where you're, you're driving brand identity, but no question. So, um, you know, I think a couple other things to, you know, as we're closing in on the, the end, um, social media, obviously it's, look, there's, challenges out there you have to be careful about your data um the number one thing that uh, you really need to think about is who's your audience where's your audience um and then make sure you're focusing on the let's say three to five medium you know out there that work for your audience look if you're um if you're a technical type product out there you don't probably need to be going out and worrying about instagram Right now, if you're a realtor, if you're in uh, construction, building materials, things like that, landscaper, Instagram's a great place to get across your business. But um, if you're not a visual type product, don't spend your time in Instagram. You know, and I think that's one of the challenges. You probably see it too. Is you know, people they just hear someone else does something, and that's yeah. where they go out and they spend their time versus understanding you know what their customers yeah. truly where they are involved. The only so, thing I'm going to do, I'm going to challenge that for a second because yeah. ultimately, sometimes leaving your comfort zone makes you rethink things. And we uh, are an audio medium, but the visual punch Instagram does puts another kind of uh, uh, another set of eyeballs on something. So I, I think Trips right. Like, look, but that's you, part of your strategy. But that's part. That's but part you're of- you're better suited to spend. Spend ninety eight percent of your money, but that doesn't mean those other two percent don't don't tr- try something. Because what if it does uh, catch? I mean, it, pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. If you're if you're a sixty five year old man that owns a business, go try TikTok. Hey, I try mean, it. What's, experiment. What, what, what's going to happen? Yeah, absolutely. So Nick, thanks so much. It's always a pleasure to have Happy you to here, here and uh, enjoyed it. And uh, hopefully everyone got uh, took something away from today. And you've been listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra One Hundred Six Point Three. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 20- 20 dealerships 
located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. <laughs> 